Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He's gaining confidence with uh, every ball he touches tonight. Casemiro brings down the referee. The referee brings down Casemiro. Casemiro, smile from ear to ear. And Jamie, that's just about the biggest roar from the fans all night. Bienvenido a Jornada 3 and uh, another fun, breathless weekend in La Liga. My name is Ruri Barlow coming to you on the La Liga Lowdown podcast, and I'm joined by Matt Clark. How are you doing? Well, after that finish to that Sunday, that was just another incredible Sunday night, and La Liga is alive and kicking. There were many that uh, dismissed it, but my word, what a day we've had. Cap- capped off with that incredible finish to Atletico Villarreal. Yes, there are six teams on seven points in this two-team league. And it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty good going, Matt. I have to say, this weekend, it sort of started off slowly and built into a crescendo with a, a brilliant comeback from Osasuna as well, which we'll mention later on. We've got Real Madrid-Betis analysis to come as well, and a tough start for Betis. We have a first win for somebody in the league, and we have a roller coaster at Valencia, so nothing's changed there. But yes, any general sensations this weekend, Matt? Well, it's just that, um, you know, to all the doubters that were that were there last week, they said it was boring, not enough goals. Well, today has answered your, your critics there, hasn't it? I mean, we had five goals at uh, in Cadiz, four at the Wanda Metropolitano. Um, I think 17 scored two or more goals this weekend. So, and Rio, just incredible performance from them, which we'll touch on later. So just an incredible... Incredible Sunday in particular, but of course also Valencia on Friday night. And as you say, uh, six teams on seven points. Um, nobody, you know, nobody with a hundred percent record after only three games. There's only two teams yet to pick up a point. So it is a ultra competitive league, and we are absolutely loving that. I have to say, and speaking of loving it, what a game! Partidato on Sunday night. There is only one place to start, Matt. <sighs> Indeed. And, uh, you know, last weekend was, was pretty good with the Levante Real Madrid 3-3. We're thinking this one probably won't be quite as entertaining. Maybe a couple of goals, if 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 any. This one was 0-0 last season, I think. But, um, boy, were we wrong. It was such a game of two halves. Atleti totally dominant in the first half. Uh, 13 shots, 
to Villarreal zero. Emery must have had some pretty strong words in the dressing room at halftime because they came out second half like a different team. They caused Aleti all sorts of problems. And we saw an uncharacteristic mistake from uh, Aleti's defenders there to allow Villarreal to take the lead for the second time in the game. Dan Juma honours a sub, um, proving that he's been a pretty astute buy from them, making an impact straight away, scoring a goal. And, and they deserved it at that point. I know Aleti had all the chances, but in that second half, Villarreal more than matched them. And at that point, it, they were going to get that, that famous win. And, and of course, you know, Emery has never beaten Diego Simeone. It was so close. And then in the most <laughs> farcical of situations, just a long ball down the pitch. And you're thinking, well, that's it. Knock it back to the keeper, hold on to the ball, play it out, that's full time. But, you know, Mandy, again, quite new to the defence. Pal Torres, of course, resting. Um, he had a decent game. Mandy and, and Albiol, the centre-backs, did, did fine. And then, you know, he headed it back to the goalkeeper. But, oh, no, really, really, where are you? And it's, it's in the back of the net before anyone even realises. And, you know, the, the scene of all the players just kind of slumped on the floor. Emery's reaction, it was just, it was just an incredible series of events. And you really had to watch it back again to even believe it. Yeah, and I thought this was, this was a strange game because Simeone really showed ambition with Atleti. You talked about that first half, 13 shots. They were lively. They were all over Villarreal in that first half and really were unlucky not to be not to be ahead and sort of take, uh, really putting a sword to Villarreal. And I thought Simeone was unfortunate not to be rewarded for his positivity, but credit to Emery for pulling that around and showing that sort of resilience that got Villarreal to a Europa League trophy. But there was that mistake at the end. And Jamie Kemble joins yourself, Matt, to talk about it. Hay que verlo para quererlo, is what the commentator said. You have to see it to believe it. I'm here with Jamie Kemble and uh Straight after the result of that incredible finish to that game at the Wanda Metropolitano. Jamie, first of all, if you can gather your thoughts, what a finish. How do you sum that up? Yeah, it's a crushing blow. I think um, if you'd have asked Villarreal and, and Unai Emery before the game if they'd have taken a point from the champions away from home, having started the season a little bit disappointingly, I think uh, they absolutely would have taken it. But in those circumstances, it it feels totally different, doesn't it? Um <laughs> Just a crushing blow for Villarreal and worked so hard away from home, like I said, against probably the best team in the league. To go and lose it like that, to shoot themselves in the foot. And I know Atleti shot themselves in the foot as well with with the goal. They conceded their second goal. But um, yeah, there's just no excuse for that kind of mistake. And I think that Willie uh, Emery might have to have some harsh words in the dressing room after the game. Yeah, it was just, it was incomprehensible, wasn't it? And it was, it was a game of two halves. Atleti was so dominant in the first half with 13 shots to, to zero. But then second half, Villarreal was so much better, weren't they? I mean, they went ahead, Danjuma was impressive off the bench, Jeremy was fantastic. Again, it's it's just, must be so disappointing to see them play so well and then only get the point. 
But as you say, the positives were there to take, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Very disappointing first half, like you say. I think um, Villarreal just kept, just kept harming themselves, really. Just so many poor touches, so many misplaced passes that ended up in, in counter-attacks from Atletico Madrid. And you just can't do that away from home. Well, against most teams in this league, let alone against the probably the best team in this league. So, um, obviously, some words I had half-time and a much better second-half performance, although it still wasn't perhaps what Villarreal were at their best last season, still missing Danny Parejo in that midfield. Um, probably Pau Torres at the back, although Albiol and Mandy did have, did have good games. Uh, I think Padraf has to start with left-back. Uh, Stupinian is not overly trustworthy, at least defensively. Um, so, yeah, some positives take, I think, to, to, to go and compete like that against Atletico Madrid. That's, that's a, an impressive effort, especially given some of the concerns um, from the first two games. Uh, but I think, yeah, improvement still needed, I think, if if, if really are going to go and challenge for for top four. Or, you know, obviously, I think the main aim would be to finish fourth and, and do well in the Champions League. And they're going to be tougher away games than that, probably even in the Champions League, if really are going to progress in that competition. So... Yeah, improvement needed, but but some positives taken, and especially young Jeremy Pino was was brilliant in that game. Absolutely. Well, speaking of positives, as you say, Danny Pareko to come back, Paul Torres once he's had a rest, and of course Jeremy, who's still just eighteen, and he looks like he's been playing at the top level for a decade. Just how good is he, and why is he so good in this team? Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant young player, still still so young, as you say, um, and such an interesting winger, I think, as well, because he's not you know overly fast. He's not sort of one for the step overs or anything like that. It's just a, but he's got world class positioning both offensively and defensively, and he's a coach's dream in that respect. Um, covers so well on that on that right hand side. Um, I know Juan Foyth backs him up there and perhaps helps him out, but def- defensively his positioning is just just second to none. And as you can see tonight, um, that doesn't harm him, harm him offensively either because he's always in those right positions to pick up the ball. And, and drive a defender. So an interesting winger, not not the kind you always see, not the kind that always catches the eye, I don't think. Um, because always those quick players who are sort of were running at players and beating them constantly. But I think for many different reasons, Yeremi is, is a an interesting player to watch and, and someone I think is destined for for top for, for the top of the game. Um as you can see tonight in what he did against some very experienced and top class defenders. 100% agreed. Yeah, two assists tonight. He's just so effective as well as impressive. It's just, he it seems like he has the whole package. Looking ahead to the rest of the season, then after the international break, VRL, this will feel like a defeat. But again, in the cold light, a point of the one, the Metropolitano, is still a decent result overall. The Champions League draw was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Manchester United again. How, how do you see that as the Champions League will start when we come back? Yeah, interesting. I think for VRL, it was never going to be about that that C2 um, team. Obviously, United, I think, will be, will be favourites coming into this, especially how they've strengthened in the summer. Um, if Villarreal can take a point at home, um, or even more, of course, then that'll be a good result. But it was always about the C3. I think C3 has been a little bit unkind to Villarreal. Atalanta, obviously, a very good side. They got through the group stages last season and an attractive team to watch. I think Villarreal can, can go out and beat them, certainly. If they can take four points off them, that'll get them through, most likely. And Young Boys is probably a a kind of a kind of seed four draw given sort of AC Milan were in that group, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a mixed group. It could be could have been better, could have been worse. I think, um, but Villarreal have never lost to Manchester United. Um, obviously, beat them in that Europa League final, and there've been four nil nil draws as well. And Cristiano Ronaldo played in them all. So, 
<laughs> Still plenty of hope to take something from those games. Oh, fantastic. Good, good to get that one in there. Uh, thanks very much, Jamie. Uh, hopefully you can kind of uh, settle down a bit now and just, just breathe after that frantic finish. And thanks very much for coming on the pod. Yeah, no problem. All the best. Thank you to the ever-erudite Jamie Kemble. You may have heard at the start of the podcast the sound of Casemiro sliding in on the referee and escaping with nothing more than a handshake and a smile. In his defence, he did get the ball first, but in typical Casemiro fashion, he got away with it, unlike Real Betis, who have suffered a tough start to the season. So we spoke to David Whitworth to get his thoughts. I'm joined now by David Whitworth, who is a journalist who covers all things Betis. So David, a narrow defeat for Betis against Real Madrid. What did you make of the overall performance? I thought it was a good game overall, a classic game of two halves. Betis having the lion's share of it in the first half, created numerous chances but just couldn't get the, the goal that the team deserved in my opinion. And then second half, Real Madrid got into the game, showed their quality, showed their intelligence, game management and the whole game was decided in one moment when Juan Mi had that golden opportunity to pass to Rui Bal, but just couldn't get the right pass to him. 60 seconds later, Madrid went ahead with a beautiful goal and a great assist from Benzema and a wonderful goal from Dani Carvajal. But that's football at the elite level. You get punished for one moment of sloppiness and the, the whole game changed around that moment. But it was a classic game of two halves. I thought Betis deserved a draw for the industrious performance that we showed, but ultimately, when you're on top, you've got to get a goal, and we couldn't get that goal. Second half, Betis huffed and puffed, but never really looked likely scoring, and Madrid showed that game management once again to close out the game and secure the win. With just two points from a possible nine to start the season, should Betis fans be concerned? It's very early in the season, only three games gone, and when you're playing against Real Madrid, it's always a bonus if you can get a, a draw or a win. Ultimately, we have the mentality to try to win every game, but you know against the top teams, they're always going to be difficult battles. Honestly, from my point of view, I think we deserve five points. The first game of the season against Mallorca was a fair result. Mallorca played very well against Betis and that was a deserving draw. When Betis faced Cadiz, we dominated the game and deserved to win. And I think the game against Real Madrid was worthy of a draw. So five points from nine would have been a completely different shine on things. And the team are not playing so bad. So I don't think there's great cause for concern. I think that the, the international breaks come at the right time for the new players like Patella, William Jose to integrate themselves, for the manager to work on the tactics with the new players and with the current players. 
and go again when the the La Liga season resumes. Moving on to the summer in general, how do you rate the transfer window? Do you think the squad is capable enough to compete in three different competitions? I would say yes and no, because we've brought in some good players in Petzela, who's come back a much more well-rounded, more mature and better defender. Certainly from his performance against Real Madrid, he was one of our best players for sure. Rui Silva has come in and done a very good job from the get-go. He's a top goalkeeper. He proved that for Granada with his run in the Europa Liga. And we're well covered in the goalkeeping department with Claudio Bravo, Rui Silva and maybe Joel Robles if he's still with us come the end of the transfer window. Zabali from Rennes is very unfortunate. I saw him in pre-season and he looked very, very good indeed. Such a shame he's going to be out for a number of months and that's going to hurt us on that right back role, that's for sure. So, it's, uh, and then we've got obviously the, the players coming back from loan with Robert and, and Edgar. So in terms of the signings, I think we've made some, some, some good signings. We've got Camarasa coming back as well, which I think will add um, bodies to the, to the midfield role. I think on the one hand, we are two-thirds covered for what we should be, but I know from when we've been playing in the Europa League and the Champions League in previous times, the squad depth has never been there, and we've suffered the, previous, the, the following season. Looking at the squad now, I think we're probably a couple of bodies short, to be honest. It was an exciting Europa League draw, wasn't it? David, what did you think of it and how far can Betis go in Europe this season? It's a wonderful draw for Real Betis in the Europa Liga. We're playing with three of the four teams in green and white, the green group. And we've got the dream draw with Celtic for sure. Betis supporters have been clamouring for a match with Celtic for many, many years. So it's a wonderful occasion that we're going to be playing against one another. We just hope that with the, the, the COVID situation that there'll be some fans represented from either side because both very passionate, both very noisy, both very colourful, both very loyal supporters who deserve an occasion with both fans represented. And in terms of the other teams, Bayer Leverkusen are the strongest in the group. Up front with Patrick Schick. Very, very good in the Bundesliga. Started the season well this year. And Fedez Varas, they've got European pedigree. They'll be a tough nut to crack as well. I think every chance we can get through, certainly in the second place. And then from there, it depends on the league season as well, how the team are doing in the league. But I think we've got every chance to make a quarter-final berth. I think that should be the, the target for the team. I think we've got a... A very good squad. If we could get, if we keep everybody fit and healthy, there's a certain amount of depth, and we've got one player in particular in Joaquin who will be highly, highly motivated to do well in what could be his final act of his glittering career. We're going to take a short break just now, but stay tuned for more similarly informed analysis as we look at Elche Sevilla, the rest of Real Betis Real Madrid, and remark upon all the other remarkable events 
of the weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back. Without further delay, we'll get into a stuffy encounter at the Benito Via Marine. Yes, it was a it was a weird encounter on Saturday evening, Matt, when when Betis and Real Madrid they clashed and they did their, their usual sort of heated, energetic and chaotic running around, but it was always sort of threatening to take off and really burst into life. How did you see things though? I was actually quite surprised by how cagey it was. I think, I think Betis definitely dominated the first half. And again, as 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 we know, when you're on top in the game, you have to take your chances. And, and that's the thing for Betis. They again a bit like Sevilla in some ways, but but even more so perhaps. They don't have that guarantee of goals, and they they can create plenty of chances, like to Fekir and Canales. They are fantastic at chance creation. It's just finishing off. And then you know Real Madrid, they weathered that storm. And they improved in the second half. And, and Carlo Ancelotti said after the Levante game, they have to be better defensively. And they were, to, to their credit. He changed it up. He had uh, David Alaba at centre-back and brought on uh, young Miguel Gutierrez at left-back. And he was, he was pretty sensational, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, I think overall, they probably just about deserved the win. And um, Ancelotti will be more than happy with that. OK, they didn't score. You know, they, didn't, they weren't at their free-flowing best. But a clean sheet will be something that he definitely wanted uh, on his checklist. Yeah, certainly. And I think for for Madrid, yes, there are vulnerabilities, but we can't be too fast to judge them because they are missing Modric Absolutely. and Kroos. And he'd take them out of any side. 
they're going to struggle to bring the ball out with the same efficacy and they're going to yeah they're not going to be quite as controlling as as they would be with those two on the park there are there are other absences as well and i think as much as the defense i think it will get more solid because um, again you've taken two key pieces out of that and defending is something you work on it's not something you get better at immediately but i do think he's and by he, I mean Ancelotti, has managed to lubricate the attack a bit and he's managed to give them a bit more freedom, even if I don't know if they're necessarily likely to score a lot more goals. They look a little more dangerous. They look a little more free when they're when they're going forward. And it's I don't think I'm asking much of the imagination of the listener to sort of picture Ancelotti as this F1 owner who sort of comes in and uh, with his sunglasses on and says, Put, put a bit more oil on the on the machine over there, and uh, run a little better, and tweaking a few things, and just just giving the players a little bit more sort of freedom, and uh, yeah, a little bit more to work with. You did mention Betty's frustrations, and sometimes it does feel like you're looking at them for what they're not, rather than what they are. Their neighbours also had similar issues again this weekend against Elche, and I spoke to Keith Farnan about that match. The sweet sound of Enzo Rocco scoring against Sevilla, the first goal of Elche season, and certainly sweet for Keith Farnan, who joins me now, at Keith under slash 678, and host of the Creemos en Elche podcast. How are you getting on, Keith? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good after after yesterday's really good result. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm really happy, and I'm, get, I'm getting on ground. Yeah, it certainly was, was a good result. And yeah, first goal of the season, a 1-1 draw against Sevilla. Many ignorant talking heads on Twitter, like myself, had Elche to really struggle this year. And I mean, we shouldn't get carried away because it's two points from three games. But if you look at the opponents they've had, Athletic Club, the the champions Atletico Madrid and now Sevilla, Elche look quite good, don't they? Yeah, well, I kind of was saying it before the season and even after the first game or two that nobody should ever right off a Fran Escriba team. <laughs> he's just he's just got a magic touch with any club, but when it comes to Elche, he's just got this disconnection with the club. It, it's like he's treated like a god down there for what he's done in the past and what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. And I just think the way he's got us drilled, we are not only holding out against these teams, uh, the Athletic Club game and the Sevilla game, we had, we had chances to win both of those games. Those definitely a couple opportunities to get back into the Atletico Madrid game so I think we're definitely surprising a lot of people obviously don't want to get carried away myself it could come back to bite me but <laughs> I'm I'm pretty hopeful for the rest of the season and Dario Benedetto has come in and so has Oscar Omar Mascarel it's too early for us to really see an impact from them is this more a continuation of last season's work or do you think there's something different that Escriba is doing this season compared to the end of last season. I think 
our styles changed quite a bit since the end of last season. I think last season the objective was to stay in games and stay up, which we, which we managed to do in the end, mm-hmm. and it, it worked effectively. But I think he wants to not be under as much pressure in games this season. You can see even instead of the long kickouts, there's a lot more short kickouts and. What we can see through the new system he's playing with, the Marcone sitting in the six and Fidel and Guti ahead of him, is we're able to play into midfield a lot better and play out to our wide men. And it, it really helps us get out of tight situations from presses from the likes of these teams that are likely to press us very high, Sevilla, Athletic Club, Atletico. They're all teams that will, against smaller clubs like Elche, they will press them high and, and try win the ball back. But I've found that we're a lot more comfortable on the ball this season and a lot more free in our in our attacking sense, which creates more chances. And look, we only scored our first goal yesterday, but we could have got a couple. And I think if we keep playing that way, we will we will start to score more goals. Yeah, certainly from from afar, from my point of view, Elche just look a little bit more confident and free when they're playing and it is it's refreshing to see because there was times where it was a little lifeless under Almiron last season turning to Sevilla they actually improved on their result last season because Elche beat them with two goals from Guti and Carrillo but Sevilla will probably still see this as drop points they are the dark horse that everyone's talking about for the title race are they title contenders from you based for you based on what you've seen um, personally, I don't think they are. They obviously could go on a, a fantastic run, but I just think that Sevilla are just a bit short in terms of squad depth. Obviously, they do have a great squad, and they have probably the third or fourth best squad in the league, and there's no questioning that. But when you compare their squad to an Atletico Madrid, or even a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, and you look at the bench, etc., there's just a couple of gaps in there. And I think that that would be the downfall of Sevilla. If maybe they didn't have the Champions League to concentrate on, then potentially I'd give them a chance at at least having a good go until Christmas. But personally, I think if you're coming to uh, Elche and you're not winning, those are the games you have to win if you want to get through and to win the title. And I think Sevilla just don't have that killer instinct to it close off those games and win those games yeah certainly for me that also seemed to to come back and haunt them a little bit towards the end of the season when they were just short but thank you very much for your thoughts on both Sevilla and Elche Keith it was a pleasure having you look forward to having you again and enjoy the international break on a high thanks a million mate So Sevilla, not quite enough, not quite title challengers for Keith. What did you think, Matt? Do you have any thoughts on this game that really stuck out to you? Yeah, I think it was a fascinating game because Sevilla really threw everything at it to try and get that win, to make it three from three and to go top of the table. And Elche were, were really impressive, weren't they? As as Keith was saying, they, they dug in, they had injuries to contend with, but they held on and... I mean, yeah, Rafa Mir missed a couple of really good chances and if one of them goes in, perhaps it's a different story. But I guess that kind of sums up where they are at the moment. They have got this fantastic squad, but you still are left a little bit kind of not sure if they're going to get 
enough goals consistently to win enough games to be right at the top. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have to say, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter stating that Rafa Mir signing means Sevilla are in this title race and that they're going to be amongst it. And I do have to disagree a little bit because I, I love Rafa Mir. He's one of my favourite players to watch. I think he's... I, I wrote a piece for, for La Liga Lowdown last season and one of my guests called him, or one of the people I was talking to, called him the poor man's Haaland. And he is that sort of physical uh, demon. He, he's hard to sort of get hold of if you're a defender, but he's still streaky. And he's a young footballer. He can still develop and become clinical, but I'm not necessarily sure that he solves their problem in front of goal just yet because he, he has a run of scoring a hat-trick in the Olympics and then missing a sitter the next game. He, he's still got that in his game. So for me, his signing doesn't necessarily mean they're in the title race just yet. But, however, moving on to the rest of the games. On Friday night, Valencia thumped Alaves 3-0 at Mestalla. Mallorca overcame promotion rivals Espanyol 1-0 on the island. On Saturday, Athletic had a hard-fought 1-0 victory over Celta at Balaidos in Yaki Williams with the goal. While Real Sociedad had a similarly tight victory over Levante 1-0 at home with Baranachea getting on the score sheet. Sunday, Barcelona brought us a topsy-turvy game against Hitafe at Camp Nou. 2-1 they ran out victors with Memphis on the score sheet again. And then Cadiz, Osasuna, an absolute cracker that nobody saw coming. Osasuna right at the death of comeback, remontada, 3-2 against the, the home side at the Nuevo Mirandia. And finally, Rayo, 4-0 victors over Granada. What, out of those games, stood out to you, Matt? Was there anything that really caught your eye this weekend? Well, I think we have to start with Rayo. I mean, no one really saw that one coming. It's their first home game of the season. They come off the back of two pretty tough fixtures, but two defeats and, you know, morale must have been fairly low. They didn't have much of a chance against Sevilla once Lucas Zidane was sent off so early. And then last week as well against Real Sociedad, they just struggled to kind of get that goal. But today, the early goal just broke open the game for them and, and they never looked back. 3-0 by half-time, 4-0 overall. You know, Granada were just never in the game. And it, it's really encouraging, I think, for Rayo to see that they can score these goals. They haven't had a bigger margin of victory in La Liga since 2012. So that just shows you how impressive this result is. And we spoke about Andoni Yeraola in our pre-season podcast about the job he did at Mirandes and then has done at Rayo. And I think, yeah, results like today will really make more and more people stand up and take notice of him. Definitely. And I think a few brows will be furrowed in Granada at his opposite number, Robert Moreno, because... That, that wasn't a sort of result that you would have expected from Granada away from home. Rayo's sort of form in front of goal in that game was, was quite a surprise to the rest of us. But one thing that didn't take me by surprise at all in the Athletic Celta game was the lack of goals. Because Celta, although they, they do have the propensity to put a few away, Athletic, they just can't find a goal scorer and although Iñaki scored I'm not going to get on at Iñaki because that's a, a hot debate as, as to whether he's actually a striker or not but right at the death it comes across to Asier Vila Libre and he's one-on-one -on -one and he just looks like a fish out of water he can't sort his feet out he doesn't doesn't manage to really trouble Dituro who gets out to him with relative ease for for a one-on-one -on -one chance and 
that is that has to be the worry for Athletic because they can win these games 1-0 but if the opposition does score it really decreases their chances against against any other sides because they just don't have a goal scorer and it's it's the impossible conundrum for for Marcelino not having that you're absolutely right and and Marcelino himself did say that Iñaki isn't a striker he doesn't expect him to be that kind of 15 goal a season player because he brings so much else to the table as we saw against Barca last weekend and I think yeah you're right with Via Libre again he's very hot and cold he has fantastic moments where he feels like everything he touches turns to gold and then he has this run of games where it looks like he couldn't hit a barn door quite frankly so one, one, one sign of encouragement I would say though Oyan Sunset was fantastic again in the midfield today he's playing in that more advanced role just in behind and the way he took advantage of that error from, from Aidu to force that chance which created the goal I thought it was fantastic so I think he's a real bright spark for them this season and it does seem that Marcelino is trying to bring down the, the, uh, the average age of the team to make sure that the youngsters are coming through and we know that Atletico are always going to produce fantastic players in all positions it's just whether they can get that out and out goal scorer because let's face it it's going to be very very tough to replace the likes of Adit Adurith uh, he was a one in a generation striker wasn't he yeah definitely and I amongst many athletic fans also miss the presence of Aritz Adurith was there anything else that that really struck you this weekend Matt from the from the games that we've just mentioned yeah I think uh, for a couple of reasons the, the Friday night games really kind of laid a bit of a marker I think uh Bordalas has really started to put his stamp on this Valencia side. We know that Paco is very angry this weekend because uh, Kangin Lee has gone for nothing. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was the poster boy for the project, and now he's just been let go for, for nothing. So it really is an inconsistent, incoherent approach from the ownership, and we know from Paco how, what his thoughts are about that. Um, so yeah, his loss is, is Mallorca's gain. And uh, it seems like Mallorca are building a really strong squad there and they got another win, another 1-0 win at home this time. And it's a really encouraging start for them. You know, they beat their, their rivals from last season, Espanyol. Vicente Moreno got an interesting reception on his return to the island and uh, there's no love lost there for sure. So yeah, fantastic evening on Friday, Mallorca with that win and Valencia putting three past Alaves, who we have to be worried about, don't we, now that Javi Cleca did so well when he came in at the back end of last season. But this season, he really is starting to struggle. And okay, they had Real Madrid first up at home. You can expect to maybe lose that one. But their performances since then have not been encouraging at all. I'd have to agree. And certainly one of the more perplexing uh, decisions from Valencia to let Kanjin go for free. That's, that's quite something. Speaking of perplexing and things that we don't quite understand, one thing that has me confused is how Ronald Koeman's side appear less organised than they did four months ago. This team has lost Messi and that's bound to have an impact on you. But I don't think that's an excuse for you to be... I think if anything, Messi's departure means that off the ball, they should be far more solid and far more coherent without the presence of Messi, who alters everything that you do. What did you think of Barcelona today? Yeah, it was a very mixed performance, wasn't it? I mean, they started so well. Sergio Roberto scoring his second goal of the season already, which is not that, we're not that used to that. So if he can provide some goals, that'll always help because obviously it's a massive deficiency without Leo Messi. Um, Sergio Busquets, he had a strange game. He was good for the goal, but then he, he was a bit loose in possession. I suppose it is worth saying that three of the back four that started were different from, from the back four that started against Athletic with uh, Emerson coming in 
and also both centre-backs being different this week compared to last time out with Eric Garcia suspended and Jalapique Piquet injured. So you had a Rafael coming in alongside Clement Langlais. So that's that's always going to cause disruption. Obviously, Ter Stegen came back as well, which is a positive. But again, that's four of the back five was completely different. And that's that's never easy to kind of get used to as a team. Again, I thought they were, they were functional. I thought Hitafe were very impressive for a side that's also lost three games in a row. Quite unlike Alaves, Hitafe have got plenty of good things, I think, to, to take from those three games. Michel's got them playing a nice brand of football. They had a couple of chances and, and a draw would have been a fair result at Cam now today, I think. But on the whole, I think for Barca, the positives are mainly Memphis. He's slotted in as if he's been there for 10 years and he looks like he's not phased at all by the pressure of, of being the heir to Messi. Definitely. And if there's one person that's marked themselves out as the star post-Messi, it is Memphis. But speaking about stars of this weekend, was there anyone that stood out to you for our MVP, our competition that we hold every week? And we'll select four players and that will be on our Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. Go on there, vote for, your, for which player that you think deserves that award. Who stood out for you this weekend, Matt? I think I spoke about Friday night and I have to go with uh, Gonzalo Guedes. I think he was fantastic on Friday. He was really driving Valencia forward. He got his goal and an assist. I think he was just a fabulous. He was, he was causing problems all night for Alaves. They just couldn't cope with him. And he got to show his, his creative side. In the first game, in that, in that kind of tight clash with Hitafe, he had to do a lot of defending and he really put in a shift, showed that he can do the defensive ugly side of the game. But in this performance on Friday, he just showed what, what a creative, enjoyable player he can be and really get the fans excited. And I think Valencia, as we've said, with, with the loss of Kanjin, this is a real one they really want to keep hold of. Mm, yeah, and he looks like a key cog for Borgelas. One player that I have to say did really sort of inspire me or excited me, and I, I do like a, a good defender. I like someone who is capable of covering a few holes. Ido Rodriguez for Real Betis. For me, I know it's not fashionable to select someone that was on the losing side and perhaps they did lose a little bit of shape towards the end, but the difference between Real Betis without Guido and with Guido is just, it's so so polar and I, it's hard to explain how, how weird it is that a team can look so cohesive in defence in that first half certainly and they kind of controlled the game with Guido, giving off passes and you mentioned Busquets misplacing a few passes earlier. I thought the simplicity with which he played and the real, yeah, the, the real manner in which he just took a ball, it might have been a little poor, it might have been falling towards him, gave it off simple. That really calmed down Betis and, and led them to sort of almost dominate the first half and give him a real shot at getting something out of the game. You had another midfielder from Rio that also caught your eye, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I think Oscar Trejo, fantastic performance, a goal, two assists. He was just running everything for them. A big performance back at home. First game of the season they have back at Vallecas. After you know difficulties with, with the tension between the fans and the president, it was good for them to lay down that marker at home and say, look, we're back in Primera. Oscar Trejo said, right, I'm, going, I'm the leader of this team. I'm going to drive us forward. And he certainly delivered. One figure that I can't help but be impressed by, I talked about him before the season as one of my sort of players to watch but even I didn't expect him to be this good is Jeremy Pino two assists a day is very creative created four chances I think I saw 90% pass accuracy he's been sensational for Villarreal he's a he's a revelation but I think he's a bit low-key because Villarreal aren't 
particularly high scoring, but the creation he brings alongside that hard work in defence, the pressing that Emery demands of, of his attackers is something that Jeremy has as well. And so if he's just got to work on the attacking side, if he's already sort of pretty safe on the on the defensive side, that's fairly promising for him. And, and he really came up trumps for Villarreal in a game where they had few chances and had to capitalise on them. And that's exactly how they did it. Moving on to our moment of the week. Was there a momentato for you, Matt? I'm going to go for one from the very start of the weekend. I'm going to go for Carlos Soler's scorpion goal in Valencia's 3-0 win at Alaves. I mean, again, you're speaking about players that are in a real kind of hot streak of form. Soler, he scored in all three match days, and they're not all penalties this time. I mean, you know, people say, oh, well, he just scores penalties. Well, he proved he can score the audacious too, because this finish was... It was improvised, it was executed technically perfectly and again, just that roar of fans to see a goal like that go in, it just it just makes you smile, doesn't it? So for me, that has to be the moment of the week. How about you? It, it, was, a, it was a hell of a goal, so to speak, and yes, it, it was pretty impressive, but I have to go with a different kind of uh, golazo and it has to be Mandy. I mean, what a moment! It was, it was insane to see uh, in unison the Villarreal midfielders drop to their knees and then sort of face forward into the grass. There were coaches doing the exact same on the touchline. Emery strolling off with his head in hands. Issa Mandi and Geronimo really, really providing peak entertainment in the 95th minute on the stroke of midnight with an own goal uh, for in the favour of Atleti and, and brilliant entertainment. But we shall play out on Carlos Soler's scorpion kick. I'll thank you for your time, Matt. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you about this weekend's football. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. There are some debates over what fixtures will be taking place in La Liga that weekend due to the South American qualifiers. But that Sunday night in two weeks' time, we will be with you once more to review La Liga and all the fascinating goings-on. Thanks very much for listening. Soler, qué golazo del Valencia, el centro de la, desde la izquierda del capitán de José Luis Gallá al segundo palo, la toca Guedes y como puede, mejor dicho, solo podía ser así. Después, este niño está tocado. Por...